Welcome to On the Way with Tony Crisp. Each weekday, Dr. Crisp will be discussing biblical passages, people, places, and prophecies. Tune in daily to start your day right and deepen your understanding of how to better walk the way and enjoy the journey. Here's your host, Dr. Tony Crisp. Welcome to On the Way. This is Tony Crisp, and this is the 365 Bible Reading Plan. Today is September the 15th, and our chapter for today is the book of Acts, chapter 25. Now, when we left Paul in the last podcast, he was being brought before Felix often so that perhaps Paul would pay him off and he could go free. But Paul was doing none of the sort. He was there because God had been faithful to him and he was faithful to God. He was right where he needed to be. So the last verse of chapter 24 says, but after two years, Festus succeeded Felix and Felix wanting to do the Jews a favor left Paul bound. This is amazing. For two years, Paul was there. He was like a political pawn, but no doubt every day, every week, every month, Paul was faithfully sharing Jesus. He was being salt and light. He was giving testimony as to why he was there, what had happened. He was a living testimony. Now, we know that because Paul said, for me to live is Christ, is Messiah. To die would be gain. And so we pick up on the narrative in chapter 25, verse 1. Now, when Festus had come to the province, after three days, he went up from Caesarea to Jerusalem. Now, first of all, why would he do that? When he came from Rome, he came to Caesarea. And immediately, he wanted to go to the place where if there was going to be any disturbance, It would be in Jerusalem because that was the capital of the Jewish people. It was then, it is now, always has been since the time of David. And so he went up to Jerusalem. Now you have to go up to Jerusalem physically, spiritually, every other way. So he went up to Jerusalem. Then the high priest and the chief men of the Jews informed him against Paul. Now can you imagine this? After all of these months, they are still wanting to kill Paul. And they petitioned Festus, asking a favor against him that he would summon him to Jerusalem. Now, notice you have a parenthetical statement. While they lay in ambush along the road to kill him, these people were treacherous and corrupt to the core. You say, how can you say that about religious people? Because the Bible does. They were corrupt To the core. They wanted to kill an innocent man who had done nothing worthy of death, except he didn't buy the party narrative in line. Now, again, this is as old as time itself, but we are seeing this in our modern day in so many ways. If you don't tow the narrative of the nation, the party in charge, the people in charge, what is the media narrative? Whatever it is, if you don't bite good or bad, right or left, then you're going to be on the hit list. Now, I wish I could say this is only the left, but the same thing is true of the right. You cross people on the right, it's the same thing. But the people on the left have no moral values. They have no restraint. And so you see this going crazy in our day. And the same thing is true 
in every realm. And so this is what was going on. But Festus answered that Paul should be kept at Caesarea and that he himself was going there shortly. Therefore, he said, let those who have authority among you go down with me and accuse this man to see if there's any fault in him. And when he had remained there among them more than 10 days, in other words, he was new. He wanted to get to know the people, so he stayed in Jerusalem. The next day, sitting on the Bema, the judgment seat, that is, he was down in his place in Caesarea, and he was on the Bema, the judgment seat, where people would come before him and he would judge their case. He commanded Paul to be brought. And when he had come, the Jews had come down from Jerusalem, stood about, and laid many serious complaints against Paul, which they could not prove. And while he answered for himself, neither against the law of the Jews, nor against the temple, nor against Caesar, have I offended in anything at all. Paul said, look, I am not guilty of anything that they are charging me. But Festus, wanting to do the Jews a favor, answered Paul and said, Are you willing to go up to Jerusalem and there be judged before me concerning these things? And Paul said, I stand at Caesar's judgment seat where I ought to be judged. To the Jews I have done no wrong, as you very well know. In other words, he said, Festus, you know. Your honor, you know. Sir, judge, you know I've done nothing. You've heard their charges. I've done nothing. Now, I'm not going up there. Why? Because Paul knew that they were still gunning for him. They were still wanting to kill him. And so as a Roman citizen, he did what was his right to do. And sometimes you use Caesar if it is fit to do what needs to be done. In other words, in the United States of America, whether we're a follower of Jesus or not, we have certain rights that are political rights. These rights are granted by the Constitution of the United States, our founding documents. We have authority to appeal just like anyone else. He says, uh, for if I am an offender or have committed anything deserving of death, I do not object to dying. Paul said, I'm not afraid of dying. But if there is nothing in these things of which these men accuse me, no one can deliver me to them. I appeal to Caesar. What he did was he was calling their bluff and saying to Festus, sir, Now, you know what's right to do, and if you're not going to do the right thing as a Roman citizen, I'm going to have to go over your head. I appeal to Caesar. Then Festus, when he had conferred with the council, answered, you have appealed to Caesar, and to Caesar you shall go. Now, here is an aside. After some days, King Agrippa and Bernice came to Caesarea to greet Festus. Now, who was King Agrippa? We keep reading about these kings here and there. Well, this King Agrippa was the son of Agrippa I. Well, who was Agrippa I? Agrippa I was the one that we read about in chapter 12 of the book of Acts. He's the one that killed James, the brother of John. He's the one that was killed there in Caesarea by the Lord himself in front of a host of people. Now, Josephus says... That is a Jewish historian, some call a traitor, but a Jewish historian, Josephus Flavius, said that he was smitten by internal disease and was uh, eat up with worms. 
Well, the Bible says God struck him dead because he was receiving glory as God and he knew that he wasn't. That's in Acts chapter 12. You can read about it. That happened at Caesarea, not far from where Paul was stationed there in the prison. And so this was King Agrippa I's son. Now, King Agrippa was the grandson of Herod the Great. He was the son of Aristobulus. This man, Aristobulus or Aristobulus, was one of Herod's sons that was killed by Herod, by his daddy. But his son, that is Herod's grandson, Aristobulus or Aristobulus, whichever you choose, it was his son that killed James in Acts chapter 12 and was killed in Caesarea there. And so this was his son, the great-grandson of Herod the Great. Now, I know this is a lot of Agrippas and so forth, but all of it is the Herod family. And Agrippa was a name. It was like James the First, James the Second, James the Third, that kind of thing. And they were all named from a friend, a childhood friend in Rome of Herod named Agrippa, Herod the Great. And so it became part of the family. And so this was King Agrippa, and when he had been there many days, Festus laid Paul's case before the king, saying, There is a certain man left as a prisoner by Felix, about whom the chief priests and the elders of the Jews informed me when I was in Jerusalem, asking for a judgment against him. Now to them I answered, It is not the custom of the Romans to deliver any man to destruction, to death, before the accused meets the accusers face to face. Boy, that's a pretty good law to have. Has opportunity to answer for himself concerning the charge against him. Would be that that would happen here in America, even though we have the rights to do that. That's not always the case anymore. Therefore, when they had come together without any delay, the next day I sat on the judgment seat and commanded the man to be brought in. Now, this is Festus recounting all of what went on to King Agrippa and Bernice. Now, this is very important because we get insight into the life of Festus here and how he was thinking. When his accuser stood up, they brought no accusation against him of such things as I supposed, but had some questions against him about their own religion and a certain Jesus. (laughs) Paul was talking a lot about Jesus, obviously, who had died, whom Paul affirmed to be alive. In other words, Paul was just sharing the gospel with them. He was just telling them the truth, the story of Jesus. And because I was uncertain of such questions, in other words, I didn't know about all this stuff. I asked whether he was willing to go to Jerusalem and there be judged concerning these matters. But when Paul appealed to be reserved for the decision of Augustus, I commanded him to be kept till I could send him to Caesar. And then Agrippa said to Festus, I would also like to hear the man for myself. So tomorrow... He said, you shall hear him. So the next day when Agrippa and Bernice had come with great pageantry and pomp and circumstance and had entered the auditorium with the commanders and the prominent men of the city at Festus command, Paul was brought in. And Festus said, King Agrippa and all the men who are here present with us, you see this man about whom the whole assembly of the Jews petitioned me, both at Jerusalem and here, crying out that he was not fit to live any longer. But when I found that he had committed nothing deserving of death and that he himself had appealed to Augustus, I decided to send him. 
I have nothing certain to write to my Lord concerning him. Therefore, I have brought him out before you, and especially before you, King Agrippa, so that after the examination has taken place, I might have something to write. For it seems to me unreasonable to send a prisoner not to specify the charges against him. Now, I don't know if you realize what's happening here and what is behind the lines here that come out very plain to me. Festus didn't have anything to write. He didn't even know enough about what the whole argument was to even write to Caesar and say he's being charged of this and that. He couldn't even write up the charges. And he couldn't send a man to Caesar just because the Jews wanted him to. He had to have some kind of charges against him. So he said, King Agrippa, I want you and Bernice. Your wife, Bernice, is a Jew. Maybe she knows more and you know more. I mean, this is part of your family. You know all about these uh, customs. Would you listen so that we could write up a charge to send him to Caesar? Because honestly, from what I've heard, we don't even have enough to charge him. And if he hadn't appealed to Caesar, then I wouldn't have to send him. But now he's causing me trouble and I don't know what to write. Would you help me out? Now, what was Paul charged? Did you listen to what I read there? It's fascinating to me. He said, uh, I found nothing against this. And that's verse 18. When the accuser stood up, they brought no accusation against him of such things as I supposed. Well, Festus thought, well, they're going to bring some kind of major charge against him. But verse 19 says, but has some questions against him about their own religion and about a certain Jesus who had died, who Paul affirmed to be alive. Now, this is just a man who had never heard anything about Jesus, had never heard anything about the crucifixion, had never heard anything about what happened. And he said, now, Paul is talking about this person, Jesus. And what's unwritten here is that he's the Messiah. And he said that Jesus died. They all believe that that he did die. Yes, that's a historical record. But Paul is saying he's no longer dead. He's alive. And these men want to hear nothing about it. Now, what do you think, Agrippa? That's the whole argument. This is the difference. What I want you to see out of this, what really was the cutting edge of why Paul had to go to Rome was, first of all, it was God's will for his life. Paul had prayed this. God answered his prayer. But the other thing was, The thing that got Paul in trouble is the same thing that'll get you and I in trouble today, and that is saying that Jesus was dead, that he died for our sins, and that he rose again, that he's alive today. Now, you see, as long as Paul was with the Jews saying, yes, this is the way, this is the way, this is the way, and then, yes, this is just a sect of the Jews, and I'm believing, and but you can be right with God another way. No, Paul was saying Jesus is the only way. He said he was the only way. He is the only way, and he died to prove that, and God raised him from the dead, and his resurrection is proof that he is who he said he was, and I'm willing to die for that. When someone's willing to die for it, there's a lot of people that are willing to aid them in that. And this was the sharp two-edged sword, that Jesus was the Messiah, is the Messiah, and Paul wasn't going back on that, and it cost him his life. But you see, Paul would rather die telling the truth about Jesus than to live in a lie. How about you? For On The Way, this is Tony Crisp. Thanks for listening to On The Way with Tony Crisp. Tune in every weekday for information on biblical passages, people, places, and prophecies. Fridays are for your questions. 
Email your questions to questions at TonyCrisp.org. Then just listen for your question to be answered on Friday's podcast. That's questions at TonyCrisp.org. Thanks for listening and have a blessed day on the way.